Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, where we share knowledge, philosophies, wisdom, and insight to help you on your journey in both sport and life. Introducing your host, Rob Riles. Hello, and welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast. Welcome along. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another edition. Now, today I'm going to talk about, on the podcast, lessons from a book. And you know that one of the things we encourage immensely on Leader Manager Coach is reading because of the absolute phenomenal amount of energy and foundational wisdom it it can give you, as well as the the pleasure in your life. You know, somebody said, well, you can live a thousand lifetimes in one if you read enough books. And I think that's very true in one respect. And one of the uh, one of the books I've wanted to read for a little while is this one. I'm going to talk about it today. And the great thing about this book is it's really short. You can read it in a day. So it's about a hundred pages long and it's a short book. And uh, great things are often come in little packages. It's Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. First written, published in 1952 and republished since then. And I do believe that there are three films in existence that have been made out of this book. I didn't realise that when I decided to read it but I wanted to read the book and I enjoyed it tremendously and there are some real great leadership management and coaching principles in this book that I want to share and talk about today. Are you struggling to find that extra edge to help you stand out above the crowd? Separating yourself from the rest is often about personal leadership. Achieve your true potential and become who you really can be. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course is a unique membership accessing the knowledge and wisdom from history's greats that will help you develop both personally and professionally to make you truly stand out. The Leader Manager Coach Pro Course. Access now at patreon.com leader manager coach. So what's the story? Well, it's a real simple story. It's a story, as the title says, about an old man who's a fisherman, who is towards the end of his life and has a relationship, a friendly relationship with a young boy. But that's not the, the main plot. The main plot is the struggles that this fisherman has and how in his endeavours despite the poverty of his life and the poverty of his fishing catches in this particular period that Hemingway addresses he keeps faith and manages to catch the biggest fish of his life the beautiful marlin and single-handedly brings it home after what's considered to be an epic, monstrous battle 
of three days alone, far out in a fishing boat with no help. And there are so many aspects to this book that give us great examples of real key things in life that you can use on your journey and lessons that will hold you in good stead that are so worth portraying and teasing out. Ernest Hemingway is the old man in the sea. Here we go. My best effort. The book starts off describing the scene. It's a, a typical, pretty basic fishing village and a lifestyle. And there's an old man who's befriended by a young boy who obviously have a a little bit of a a mentorship relationship between the old man and the boy and there's obviously a strong bond between them and as with most stories there is a challenge and the challenge is that the fishing fruits for the old man are extremely poor he's going through a bad patch as they say your team's not winning your coaching sessions ain't working out you've got no energy you have an illness, you've had a bereavement in the family, you've had a diagnosis, you've got a financial struggle. Things ain't going well. You are in the wilderness. The old man is in the wilderness. He has a young boy and the young boy obviously loves the old man. And you can tell by the way that Hemingway writes that here's a young boy with empathy and care and love and the little things he does for the old man like help him when he's down help him to support him with his meals when he's tired and make sure he's got all the basics of life when he returns to his meager fishing hut are examples of the love that will sustain all the world And what I mean by that, without being religious about it, is that if we all, as individuals, and this is a lesson that comes from this book, right at the beginning, if every single one of us attends to the loving need that's in front of us now, whether that's our own family, or a neighbour, or someone in trouble, or a helping hand here, and an assistance there in our own little circle, and our community, then the world will look after itself. We don't have to be concerned necessarily with about doing things for people thousands of miles away, and there's nothing wrong with that. It should be encouraged. But if we all started small and dealt with the challenges that are right in front of us instead of walking over them and around them, like it tells us in the Good Samaritan story, then things would be a lot better. And Hemingway describes that really well. And the old man in his humility tells the young boy to go and fish elsewhere, basically, and not to come with him because his catch is so meagre. The old man lives a simple life. And Hemingway talks about that And there's something of beauty in that. 
He's a fisherman. He knows he's a fisherman. He's a damn good fisherman. He's done it all his life. It's what he is. And he is self-aware. And there is ultimate self-knowledge. That's, for me, is the second lesson in this. Beyond the love and the care and the relationship between the boy and the man. Knowing what you are, who you are, what you're good at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and doing what it is that floats your boat and makes you happy and has meaning for you in your life. Here is a human being at one with his environment. Wrinkled, sunburnt skin and face. Raggedy clothes, leathered hands. A master of his craft. An understanding of nature, the sea, the environment and the weather. Almost fearless against the great ocean, which... We all know whether we're seafarers or not has the power to destroy. The next great lesson, in fact there's two here, are faith and hope and overcoming fear. So despite the paucity of his returns, despite the number of days that have gone since he's had a catch and the effect upon his life of that, the old man has faith that it will turn. And he hopes and knows in his heart and his soul, if he keeps doing it, it will come good. He's seen it before. He's felt it before. It may be more difficult this time, but he has hope and he has faith. And when we're traveling our own course on our own journey, no matter what the difficulties no matter what faces us. As Winston Churchill said, just keep buggering on. One more thing, one more coaching session, one more training session, one more run, one more practice, and let's see what happens when we take the next step. An overcoming fear. The old man knows that he must go further out into the fishing areas beyond where the other boats go because he needs to catch the big fish. It's definitely alluded to in Hemingway's writing that this is a personal journey. It's the old man's individual, personal hero's journey. You have your own individual, heroic, personal journey that calls you. The sea and this particular marlin and the big fish is what is obviously calling the old man. Calls him to such a degree that he's willing to go out further than anybody else. And so he does. But the question is, what's calling you? What won't let you go what won't let you sleep rest and keeps returning and coming back and asking the question despite his age the calling is still there and so on his own out he goes 
at the same time dreaming big. So here's the other lesson, the next lesson. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been doing something, you can still dream big. What is it calls you? What is it that you really want? What is it that you think you can do with your life? Don't let the world grind you down. Nothing wrong with realism. Nothing wrong with facing reality. Nothing wrong with throwing foolish thoughts into the bin. But you can dream big. Far, far too many people have proven that things can be achieved when they seemed nigh on impossible. So out the old man goes. And he seems fearless, although he's going where he hasn't been before. And you will have to go where you haven't been before, to the deepest, darkest places that you don't know how to handle them because you ain't been there before. You have an idea, but you're relying on skills and attributes that may not be fully formed in terms of being able to handle the challenge that you've got. You hope they are, you have faith that they are, but you're going to have to challenge yourself. And that is what the old man does. So we go on in the story where the old man goes out far out into the ocean with this great big dream of his and hanging on to faith and hope only. Despite the fact that it's been such a challenging time, he has no hatred in his soul, just love for his environment and this calling. He is definitely at one with his environment. He has the skill. He probably still has the strength. He certainly believes he does. All is not lost. Yet, the victory is not assured. That is the story of life and its challenges. He talks to himself constantly. Let's remember... In another lesson, the power of self-talk. He talks realistically to himself. It's almost a form of prayer. He talks to the fish. Just like you might talk to your enemy, your opposition, in your own mind. And here's a great lesson for all of us in sport. Here is a man who wants to be the victor he wants to catch the fish and let's be brutal about it kill maim and end the fish's life yet he has ultimate respect for it if that's possible and he talks to it with great love and respect and i think that's how we need to embrace our relationship that thought is something we need to embrace when we consider our relationship with our opposition. Yes, they're a foe. Yes, they're there to be beaten. But we should be ultimately gracious that they're there for us because they are the things, they're the people, they're the teams that allow us to perform. Without them, 
there would be no game. Without the fish, there's no fishing. There's no fishermen. Without opposition, there is no game. No match. No sport. It's a depth and a detail of understanding that many people just dismiss. That hatred and that rivalry and that disdain. It's not positive and it's not a part of what is the most successful way in terms of handling relationships between individuals and teams that compete and exist together. So here we go, the old man's out on the sea. He's self-talking. He's where he's never been before. He's relying upon faith and hope only. And he's certainly fatigued. He eventually catches a bite. And he realises pretty quickly that it's something special. And it's so special and so powerful that he has to, in his experience, allow the fish to have its way. And the battle has begun, or it's gone into its next stage. And the fish just pulls the boat on the line. And because he's on his own, his challenges are multiplied. He hasn't got the boy to reel in the other lines. He hasn't got the boy to get him food and water. He hasn't got the boy to help him control the line upon which the fish is on. He is on his own as a human being. But he allows the fish to have its way. Now, here's another lesson that fishing can teach us. If he had tried to fight that great fish, he would have snapped the line, the fish would have got away, probably been injured, and had the hook and the line in its mouth, and he would have lost with no fish once more. But he's patient. He understands what's going on. He understands that the battle is going to take longer than he wants it to. And many lines in Hemingway's book talk about the internal battle in the old fisherman's mind about how tired he thinks the, the fish is and how tired he is. And he the only thing he keeps coming back to is I will outlast you. No matter how tired you are, no matter how strong you are, fish, I will outlast you. He embraces the battle and he makes that decision that he, no matter what, is going to stick with it. He has to overcome many things. He has to find a way around sleeplessness or trying to catch half an hour's sleep. He has to find a way about catching food and getting some sustenance from the sea around him whilst he's holding on to the line with the great marlin on the end. 
he has to keep aware and conscious so that he can slowly, when the time is right, bring the fish closer to the boat. And all the time, he knows not exactly where he is. He's lost sight of land. He is now powerless in terms of how close he is to the land. We all have to let go. We all have to go to places where we rely on things that are greater than us and are outside our own control. He, the old man, recognising that the fish is tiring, slowly, slowly, slowly brings him closer and closer and closer. The marlin gets close to the boat. And eventually, as the battle reaches its zenith, the old man brutally harpoons the fish and manages, with everything he's got left on the boat, to tie the fish to the side of the boat. This enormous, enormous marlin. After three days, virtually sleepless, the victory is almost won. And how many times have we been there when we think we've done it? Yet, what's left to achieve? He has to get home further than he's ever been before. With the biggest fish he's ever caught lashed to the side of his boat. So he sets sail for home and it's not long before the blood that's leached out of the dying and dead fish attracts the unwelcome attention of multiple sharks. And time and time again, the old man with a few basic, almost futile tools left on the boat tries to repel the attack of the sharks, which seems to be incessant. And as he's moving on, he knows that the sharks are ripping great chunks out of the fish and reducing his catch but he's unable to do anything more about it. He has to get home. He has no more tools left to fight the shark. And he eventually, eventually sees land and arrives home. Completely spent. He's so spent, he leaves his boat on the shoreline with the fish still attached basically half if not more than half reduced by the shark attack but the evidence is there for all to see the greatest fish ever caught and the old man makes his way and has nothing left but to lie down and go to sleep And that's essentially where the story ends. Victory after the greatest battle. 
But there is one last thing that Hemingway writes about. And that is how the young boy attends to the old man who he finds asleep. And cares for him in a real simple but loving way. Seeing for not necessarily the first time because it's almost like the boy recognised the greatness in the old man anyway. But actually now sees his great mentor in a light that he almost knew was true anyway. But now he actually sees the evidence that the man is the great fisherman. But ultimately, he's his friend and he cares for him in a simple way. It's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful short book. And it certainly impacted me. And the thing that I want to leave you with really, I suppose as well as those few simple lessons. You know, from the very start, the love that, that, that is shown in the book, the relationship between the boy and the man, the self-knowledge of the fisherman, his dreaming big, the necessity to have faith and hope and courage, to have patience, and to keep going when all the odds are stacked against you. To go where you've never been before. And to understand that when once you think you've won the battle, you probably haven't. But to have the courage and fortitude to get home. And then to look back. And probably see that the great or greatest value is not in the prize, but is in the process. The process which is what forges the character. Leader, manager, coach, it's Ernest Hemingway and the old man and the sea. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please leave us a review. I hope it helps. Catch you later. Bye-bye.